Hello, I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and welcome to episode 13 of my Train Your Mind for Athletic Success podcast. Concluding our exploration of the obstacles that can prevent you from achieving your sports goals, today's topic is negativity. The obstacles I've described in my five previous podcasts, overinvestment, perfectionism, fear of failure, and expectations, culminate in an attitude of negativity that can permeate every aspect of your sports participation. With the weight of these obstacles on your shoulders, you will approach everything about your sport, from practice to competitions, from a position of weakness that sets you up for failure. Your thinking is filled with negativity, doubt, worry, uncertainty, and lack of confidence. Your emotions are all unpleasant and unhelpful, including fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, and despair. In training, you hold yourself back by sabotaging yourself with shortened or skipping practices, not giving your best effort, and giving up quickly. And in competitions, you perform cautiously and tentatively because the cloud of negativity won't let you give your best effort or take the risks to perform well. The almost certain result of this shroud of negativity is disappointing performances and results. From George Foreman, the former heavyweight boxing champion, that's my gift. I let that negativity roll off me like water off a duck's back. If it's not positive, I didn't hear it. Imagine you're performing in an event in which there are 80 competitors, you and 79 others. How many in the field want to beat you? Well, 79, of course. The odds are 1 against 79. Not good odds to be sure, but the same odds as everyone else. Now imagine you're your own worst enemy in the upcoming competition. You're unmotivated, negative, anxious, unfocused, and uncertain. Now how many want to beat you? 80 do, those 79 competitors, and now you because you've turned against yourself you become your own worst enemy. And what are your chances of being successful now? Well, zero against 80. In other words, no chance at all. This scenario is what happens when the obstacle of negativity gets in your way. Your goal as you explore negativity is to remove this obstacle and the other four and become your own best ally. As your best ally, you're on your own side psychologically, emotionally, and physically. You're determined, you're confident, you're fired up, focused, and ready to give your best effort. This state of positivity, in sharp contrast to negativity, provides you with the opportunity and the foundation to perform your best and achieve your athletic goals. Quite simply, you're giving yourself the chance to succeed. You can make this transition from enemy to ally, from negativity to positivity, by taking several steps. First, it's not uncommon for athletes who struggle with negativity and the other four obstacles to feel that they deserve to be their own worst enemy because they aren't worthy of being the best ally. But you can't justify treating yourself the way you do with those obstacles. You need to recognize that you deserve to be your best ally who is always on your side. You deserve to feel good about your sport and you deserve to perform your best. Second, remove the obstacles that impact you most. As I discussed in the previous podcast, this is a simple but not easy task. It's simple, because why would you be your own worst enemy when you could be your own best ally? It's not easy, because you may have become really good at being your own worst enemy, to the point that it's a deeply ingrained habit. It's difficult, but it's also possible if you follow many of the suggestions in this podcast. Third, make a conscious commitment to being your own best ally and resisting your dark side that turns you into your own worst enemy. This deliberate choice makes being your best ally easier because you make it your first option when faced with a situation in which you may normally go to the dark side. Finally, the more you become your best ally, the easier it gets for several reasons. One, it feels good being your best ally, and we all like to feel good. Two, you perform better when you're best ally. 
As you spend more time as your best ally, you retrain your mind to the point at which your dark side in being your worst enemy fades into memory. From the past of Charles Swindoll, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. We are in charge of our attitudes. Now, I've used this metaphor before in an earlier podcast, but it's worth bringing up here with respect to negativity. Imagine that you're about to begin a competition and someone forces you to put on a 50-pound weight vest. How will you feel and perform? Well, heavy, sluggish, slow, poorly. You wear a metaphorical weight vest that weighs you down when you allow negativity and the other four obstacles to influence how you think, feel, and perform in your sport. Overinvestment, perfectionism, fear of failure, expectations, and negativity all weigh you down and make you feel bad and you perform poorly. The great thing is that whoever forced you to don that weight vest, you have the power to take it off because they are all in your mind, all in the way you look at yourself as an athlete and the world of your sport. Your goal is to take the weight vest off, so you'll feel unburdened when you compete. You will be able to throw yourself into competition with no doubt, worry, or hesitation, and with commitment, confidence, and courage. How will you feel and perform? Well, light, free, strong, and very well. From the author Chiku George Thomas, a negative thinker sees difficulty in every opportunity. A positive thinker sees an opportunity in every difficulty. All the obstacles I've discussed in my podcasts cause you to perceive situations as threats to be avoided rather than challenges to be pursued. These threats to your self-identity rather than your physical life trigger our most powerful human instinct, namely the instinct to survive. In turn, the survival instinct elicits the fight-or-flight response, which has been hardwired into us since we climbed out of the primordial muck and, millions of years later, began walking upright. Our fight-or-flight reaction is triggered when we, and all animals, perceive a situation as a threat to our existence. Our sympathetic nervous system activates rapid emotional, psychological, and physical changes. Emotionally, we feel either fear or anger intensely. Psychologically, our senses are heightened and we're able to make really fast decisions. Physically, we get a shot of adrenaline, our heart rate increases, blood flow is diverted to essential parts of the body, and we experience increased strength and stamina. Without these essential changes, our primitive forebears would have died, their genes wouldn't have been passed on, and we wouldn't be living in the 21st century. The fight-or-flight reaction served us well for many millennia. Unfortunately, what worked as cave people doesn't necessarily work in the 21st century of sports. You may ask, why would a reaction that has helped us survive, first as animals that walked the earth some 300 million years ago, and later as homo sapiens for the past 250,000 years, not work now? The answer lies in a change in the meaning of survival and the specific reaction you have when your fight-or-flight response goes off. Despite the fact that there aren't any saber-toothed tigers or hostile tribes people roaming the fields, courts, courses, hills, and tracks of modern-day sports, athletes still experience the same fight-or-flight response when they compete. How is this possible given that your life isn't really threatened when you compete in sports? Though certainly, there are physical risks in some sports that can lead to death. It is relatively rare. Because the survival instinct is elicited and the fight-or-flight reaction is triggered not by a threat to your physical survival, but rather by a threat to your athletic survival. Anytime your self-identity and self-esteem as an athlete and your athletic goals are threatened by failure, your survival as an athlete with big goals are in danger. If you don't achieve those goals, a primitive part of you believes that you will die. Physical survival, as we typically think of it, means not dying. Athletic survival means continuing to progress up the competitive ladder toward your goals. The problem is that the typical fight-or-flight reaction we've experienced for thousands of years doesn't work in sports. Let me explain here. Imagine you're a cave person in the Serengeti 250,000 years ago, 
and are confronted by a rival tribesperson with a big club. Your survival is clearly threatened, and your fight-or-flight reaction is triggered. Now, think about which option increased your chance of survival back then, fight or flight. Well, I would argue that you have a better chance of surviving if you flee, because as long as you keep distance between you and the rival tribesperson with a really big club, he or she can't club you to death. So, because flight has served our survival well for so long, it's become deeply ingrained in our DNA as the best way to respond to a threat to our survival. But what worked on the Serengeti doesn't work in modern-day sports. Fleeing will not help you survive as an athlete, yet that is your first instinct. When I say flight in sports, I don't mean literally running away from the athletic arena in which you're competing. What I mean by flight is losing your motivation, confidence, and aggressiveness, and performing tentatively, cautiously, and timidly. One thing is for sure, with this understanding, if you flee in sports, you lose and you will experience quote-unquote death as an athlete. Your only chance of athletic success is to fight. To be clear, when I say you need to choose to fight, I don't mean hitting and kicking your opponent. Unless, of course, you're an MMA fighter. Instead, I mean making the decision to give your best effort, pursue your goals aggressively, overcoming any obstacle or setbacks you may face, and never giving up. Let's be realistic. There are going to be times when you get nervous, which is exactly what your fight-or-flight response is. This reaction might occur before a really important competition, when you have the opportunity for success in a big event, or when the spotlight is on you. In those situations, your natural tendency is to flee. Yet, it is in those moments when you must choose to fight. An unknown quote. I will fight for it. I will not give up. I will reach my goal. And absolutely nothing will stop me. I'm Dr. Jim Taylor. And thanks for listening to episode 13 of Train Your Mind for Athletic Success. And be on the lookout for episode 14 in the near future.